What's going on, coaches? Hopefully everyone had a great week. Uh, we've got a lot of great feedback from Coach Walls' new video in RTP install over play action posts. Uh, sorry, play action shots, all different types of shots with posts uh, in there, obviously, as well. Right, rip the post. But um, that's his first video. It was an hour. He's got several other videos coming out with us here in the next few months. Again, you guys can see that if you're an RTP premium member, which is only 10 bucks a month. Uh, you can see all of our other series, all of our other videos, also with RTP Premium. And you can find all our videos, our podcasts, uh, all of our blogs, and all of our merchandise, everything else we do over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring. And the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all, we obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is teambuilder.com. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with Brian Braddock. Coach Braddock is the head coach at St. Augustine High School in St. Augustine, Florida. Listen as we talk with Coach about the great program he has built at St. Augustine and the success that he has had in all three phases of the game. We also talk about the importance of quarterback development and building community support for your football program. Hope you guys enjoy. You know, it's, it's maybe not a super glamorous story, but obviously I, I played high school growing, or played football growing up and played through high school. And then I was a 5'10", 190 pound senior in high school and kind of had that decision. Do I go kill myself and, and do everything it takes to play small school football or do I go to, you know, a bigger state school and do the college thing? And I, uh, I made that choice and then immediately, immediately knew probably a month in that I wanted to coach. Um, I missed the game so much. Uh, so so quickly in college, I made sure that I uh, took what started as engineering, which I love science and math and, and liked school. So I, I channeled that into uh, a four-year process to get a certification to teach math and physics. Um, I wanted to do that. I wanted to coach football and uh, kept in close contact with my high school head coach, who was, a, who was wildly successful. And um, the program that I'm at now uh, is my, is my, is my alma mater and, and kept track of them. And he kind of put us on the map back around that time, uh, early two thousands. And, um, you know, we got done with school, went to Florida state university, got done with school, uh, met my soon to be wife and then uh, came back and I worked for my high school head coach. He um, was a huge 
influence on me uh, in high school. Um, I remember when he came, his name is Joey Wiles. He's state hall of fame, won over 200 games in 20 years at St. Augustine high school. And was basically a, a mentor to me as a young coach when I got into education and coaching and um, worked for him for nine years, uh, had the time of my life, uh, got to be a part of a run, you know, at a, and, and we're a true public schools. We're St. Augustine, the city, not St. Augustine, not, not a private school. Um, and got to be a part of a, of a run where nine out of 10 years, uh, we were in the final eight. And I want to say uh, seven of those 10 years were in the final four, played for three state championships. And um, it was just pretty amazing to see what Coach Wiles had built at a, at a true public, you know, not a metro public, not, not anything like that, a true public with kids from St. Augustine. And he kind of showed that that could be done and um, worked for Coach for nine years. Um, he was a great, tremendous defensive coach and took me all over the country and got to sit in offices, and, you know, at the University of Florida, University of Oklahoma, and learn from great minds all around the country. And um, that, I owe that largely to him. And, and we were able to have a lot of success at St. Augustine. And then eventually uh, it was time for me to move on. I was a defensive coordinator working for a defensive minded head coach. And um, it just kind of came to that time. So then uh, I got a head coaching job at a, at a, at a really large school, about a 2,700 student school in Jacksonville, Mandarin high school, um, which was, I probably had no business getting that job. Didn't know what I was getting into. It's kind of like, you know, as you guys may know, it's like when you have a kid, you don't know what you're getting into and you got to learn on the job. And uh that went well. Fortunately, we were able to uh, to do well in the three years I was there. We steadily climbed. I think they had won five games in the previous three years, and then we went five and five, six and four, twelve and one. And right as that became home, and as that became you know the the, the situation I dreamed it could be, uh, Coach Wiles at St. Augustine, my my former coach I'd worked for, he he actually resigned and took a assistant athletic director's job at a, at a Division two university. It was a great situation for him. He'd been at St. Augustine for twenty years and. Um, had that difficult decision to either come back or to, uh, you know, continue where we had kind of built something that was special to us at that point. And honestly, if it was college football, I would have stayed right where I was because um, that just made more sense from that perspective. If it was, if it was the type of thing, if it wasn't high school football, if I was truly paid to win games, I would have stayed where I was. But um, for me to come back to my home community where I grew up, to come back and um, pour into the kids uh, that, that come play football at St. Augustine, we've got a diverse population. We've got everything from kids who live in million dollar homes at the beach to kids who live in section eight housing. And it's, it's just really a neat place. Um, that diversity is our strength. And I, I basically, my wife put it th to me this way. She's like, can you, can you handle anybody else taking over that program? And I was like, I don't think I can. She's like, well, then that answers your question. You need to go take the job. So did what everybody says you shouldn't do. I followed a legend. Coach Wild's name is on the stadium. And uh, fortunately in the five years I've been back at St. Augustine, I've been able to surround myself with awesome coaches. A lot of coaches who work for, with Coach Wiles for many years and now work with me and um, we've been able to, to make some good runs had a good season this year uh, got beat in triple overtime in the state semifinal and it's been a lot of fun been a lot of fun to be in my, my home community and just pouring into the kids at St. Augustine High School um, brings me to to today and and you know love where I live St. Augustine Florida is a beautiful place um, love where I get to work so it's it's a pretty good life. So, Coach, you know, you do hear that all the time. Hey, don't follow a legend. And it was something that similar, similarly just happened in Oklahoma uh, when, when Alan Trimble at Jinx passed and, and you know, their defense coordinator took over. And um, you know, it's just a thing that's, like you said, it's always said don't take after uh, over after a legend. So after you've done that and now you've had several years of that, what are so for some other coaches that – are going to be put in that situation? What are some things that you learned? What are some things that uh, you think maybe make that transition a little bit easier or a little bit uh, more? What are some things that would be helpful uh, knowing going into a situation like that? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I, th I think it was beneficial to me to obviously have an intimate knowledge of the program and of the school and the community going in. Um, that was helpful. Um, and who, you know, I say that maybe some ways it wasn't because you feel like you have to do certain things a certain way. Um, you know, I would say that, that you should really sit down and parse through everything that's been done a certain way. And, and in a situation like I was in, you have so much respect for the former um, head coach and even for the, you know, like the prior offensive coordinator, he had moved on as well. Um, so you, you got to be careful to not just do things because that's the way they've been. Um, you can still have a tremendous amount of respect for the, the head coach that was there before you, 
while putting your stamp and being true to who you are um, in terms of the work you do in that program. Um, so I think that's a big thing. You know, obviously you can't coach out of fear. You can't, you, you've got to be able to handle the, the, the fear of the first time you get beat, people are going to point the finger at you, uh, not at anyone else. And that's okay. That's probably the way it should be. Um, you know, it, ironically, we lost our first game. Um, we're talking about a, a program that had not lost more than, I think not, had not lost more than two regular season games in a season since 1999. And we got beaten our first game uh, by a team who turned out to be outstanding. So it wasn't the end of the world, but um, that was not easy. So you got to have thick skin. You, you got to be willing to do your own thing. And then at the end of the day, for me, um, like I said, I wouldn't have done it if, if, if I was a guy coaching football on TV from, for, or, or my job depended on, on optics and, and every final outcome, I wouldn't have done it. But at the end of the day, the opportunity to serve the hearts of the kids in St. Augustine was the reason that we took the job. It was the calling at this job. And um, I've got a former player who is, who is part of the staff, the support staff at Clemson. A phrase we stole from them is that we're going to serve our players' hearts before we serve their talents. And if you're going to take over after a coach who's had that much success, you, you best be taken over and doing it for the right reasons because, you know, realistically, you might not have the same win-loss record. You, know, you, you might have a better one. You don't know that. But if that's the reason you're doing it, you're going to be disappointed one way or the other and you're putting your eggs in the wrong basket. So just focused on the kids. And we've had some bumps in those five years. Um, my first two years were great. The third and fourth years were rough. We had two of the worst seasons we've had in the last 20 years. We still made the playoffs and all that good stuff, but they just weren't up to our standards. And then, you know, this year to get back was great. But you, you better put first things first because those anxieties are going to get – they're going to get real and going to get heavy when you follow a legend. Coach, man, again, I always get a little lag here because I take a lot of notes when you guys are talking. I, I, I love the, doing these things because we, we get just as much out of it uh, as anybody. So, so it might take me a little while. But um, wanted to ask, you know, about, okay, being a defensive guy. So what's kind of your style, you know, starting off as a, you know, you're a head coach. You've kind of, you know, been on the defensive side of the ball. You know, how much do you kind of work with the offense? Is that something where you're like, you know what, don't even want to have to worry about it? Or is it something maybe you're more like a Belichick? I'm eating with the QBs. I still want to know kind of what's going on. You know, talk we kind of through that thought press process of, you know, being maybe a defensive minded guy. How do you kind of control, you know, both sides of the ball as a head coach? Yeah, my my uh, first those three years that I was at Mandarin, um, you know, I, I did the defense and it was a learning curve being a head coach. Um, that first year, I felt like I didn't, you know, I, I always felt very confident when I was defensive coordinator at St. Augustine. We, we knew what we were, we were going to get. We knew how to prepare. And, and if we got beat, it wasn't going to be because we weren't ready to play. Um, it was going to be because we got, we got beat. And uh, my first year at Mandarin, you know, that first year as a head coach, I learned real fast um, that those head coaching duties can consume you. And, and, and again, I think sometimes when it came to the football, uh, I lost track of first things first and learned a lot that first year. And uh, I actually dedicated myself more to the defensive side of the ball the second year, even though I was running the defense the first year. And, and, and I, I wanted that feeling. I wanted that peace in my heart that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the kids knew what they were doing on Friday night. And, and we were much better my second year as a head coach because I was able to I was able to say no to more. You know, I learned a lot that first year. I'm kind of a, by nature a pleaser and a, and, a, and a good guy and I want to do everything and impress my superiors and all that stuff. And I learned a lot that first year. There were some things I just need to say no to if I was going to run our defense and have our defense prepared to play as the head coach. And there were some other things I was going to need to delegate to our offensive coordinator, who was our assistant head coach. And, and that was a big learning curve for me. So I, I was, you know, obviously heavily involved with the defense and did that for those three years. Uh, my offensive coordinator at Mandarin, a guy named Sean McIntyre, he's actually a head coach um, at Creekside High School here in St. John's County. Um, he then came with me to St. Augustine. So for the first four years as a head coach, he was our offensive coordinator. And he was, a, he was obviously going to be a head coach. He ran the offensive side of the ball like a head coach. So I had a lot of peace about what was going on over there. And I didn't, you know, other than making sure I was aware of everything we were doing, obviously, as the head coach, I didn't have my hands on it too much. Um, he moved on. And then actually 2017, 18 and 19, I did our offense at St. Augustine. Now, in 2017, we had a great offense. We went to the state semifinal, you know, scored a ton of points. But the caveat was uh, I coached the quarterbacks. And I wanted to coach the quarterbacks because we had a senior quarterback named Austin Reed. And he's now the quarterback at West Florida. And he's, you know, arguably the best player in the country in Division Two. So I had a really easy coaching job uh, that first year. I coached quarterbacks. I basically just got out of Austin's way. He went out there and threw the ball like a big-time quarterback. 
Um, but yeah, so I did three years of, of doing the offense and, and being on this, on the defensive side and being in the secondary really was, I think, advantageous being over on the offensive side. And then fortunately this past year for the first time, I was able to bring in a coordinator um, on the offensive side while I hired a defensive coordinator a couple years back and did neither side. And it was awesome. I think it largely led to a lot of our success, uh, less of me, you know, focused more on our team's culture and character and leadership. Um, hired a, a guy named Brandon James. He was a special teams All-American at University of Florida back around 2006 through 2009. Played for Coach Meyer. He's from St. Augustine as well. We have a lot of a lot of alumni on staff. And he did our offense this year and did a tremendous job. And I was able to be a head coach that was just involved on both sides. So that's kind of the evolution of how that's been for me. But, um, you know, it's been, it's been great. I definitely like how it was uh, this year, being able to be involved on both sides. Um, no, it won't always be realistic, but um, that's kind of how it's gone. Coach, how, how did you learn how you wanted, you know, how did you learn both sides of the football? I mean, is that just something being a defensive guy, you just picked up listening to the offensive guys, what they did? Is that something that when you <clears throat> knew you wanted to become a head coach, you started going out and, and listening to clinics and finding people to, to talk to? What, how did you make that jump to where you had that ability to coach on either side of the ball? Because, uh, I think, you know, there's a natural progression that uh, right now I'm trying to figure out, you know, do I go from O-line to want to go into being an offensive coordinator? Um, and and it's hard, I think, as an offensive line coach, you, you there's all this stuff you know that you don't know that you'd like to learn, but there's still stuff on the offensive line that you'd like to sharpen. So it's like, okay, how do I learn all these other things while I'm still trying to learn and not necessarily learn, but find things to get better at an offensive line. How did you do that as a, as a coordinator? Okay. I, I know I need to learn some things about the offense, but also I'm still trying to sharpen my things on defense. Yeah. I, I think one of the biggest blessings that I had as a young coach um, going all the way back to you know, 2004 when I, when I started with coach Wiles was I loved going to the weekend meetings with the defensive staff and I was all, whatever I could do, I was going to do. And, um, you know, I was coaching JV football, but, but I, I, I just wanted to do whatever I could in those weekend meetings. And I, I quickly learned drawing cards was going to really help me. So I, I remember we would, we would be breaking down opponents and I would draw all the run cards. And I, I would say that was the, probably the most rapid and the best education that I could have received for understanding, you know, offenses and what they wanted to do um, run scheme wise because it was one of those deals where if the card was drawn wrong, I was going, Coach Wiles could be on the varsity field at defensive inside run, and I could be over on the JV field doing something completely different. And if there was a wrong card, he knew he, who he was going to come find during inside run if I had drawn it wrong. So, so that, was, that was an amazing education. And, and that would be my greatest advice to like young coaches starting out. Like that was not glamorous. I can remember getting up and coming into the office early Saturday morning after we'd had a varsity game the night before and drawing cards for six hours. But, um, boy, I, I learned a lot and I learned to take pride in the details of everything that was going in. And, um, I learned a lot about just offensive line scheme, not much about offensive line play doing that. And then, you know, when I knew I wanted to become a head coach, I would periodically in the off season meet with other, uh, offensive line coaches in the area. Cause I, I knew right away, if I don't understand what's going on up front, I'm never going to be able to run an offense. So I would meet with offensive line coaches and kind of formulated what I thought was good. And, and obviously thought about what was good against us on defense and what was tough to defend. And, that was kind of how that came together. And then when I got a head coaching job at Mandarin, um, I mentioned my, my offensive coordinator earlier. Uh, he, myself, and then our quarterbacks coach, who's now an offensive coordinator at another school in the area, we kind of, you know, put that offense together um, from the beginning with, with what, what we wanted to be. And then it evolved over the next few years. And then when it was time for me to take over running the offense, it really wasn't that, that difficult because um, it was what we had been doing for several years. And, and obviously I was very familiar with it as the head coach. So that's kind of how that, that all played out. And, you know, ironically in 2019, very late in the process, I, I lost a coach to a job out in Texas and uh, he was our offensive line coach. So in 2019, I had to go uh, from being the head coach who called the plays basically on offense, the position coaches everywhere. I became the O-line coach. And I think 2019 was the most rewarding and educating year of my coaching career. Um, I learned more uh, two seasons ago, coaching the offensive line um, than I think I had learned in probably the previous five seasons. And I loved it, as you would probably probably attest to. There's no greater group of kids to coach than the O-line. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just – it was a blast. 
So, um, you know, that was a great experience too. And I learned a lot that year. I probably would have never chosen it um, as the head coach to have to coach the offensive line. It was not easy, but um, boy, it was a valuable experience. I think that's so cool though, <clears throat> to, to hear, you know, you, you being a head coach and then, but being willing, like you talk, I mean, it goes back to kind of, you know, what you'd said earlier, you know, serving the kids of St. Augustine, whatever position, you know, God or your, your higher power puts you in, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And even if I may not be quote the expert at it or the master at it, I'm going to find a way to, to do this because I know, I, I know enough football, but at the same time, it's like, Hey man, I, I, I might open this thing up and, and maybe hire a guy, but right now I'm probably the best guy for the job. Yeah, it was kind of, it was late in the process. And like I said, and, um, and I, I was fortunate, you know, I, there was a, a local gentleman by the name of Jack Chapman, who he, he's, he was with us this year. He's in, he's in a, a little bit of a, um, a little bit less than full-time capacity. He's been coaching for 50 years, so I can give him that. Um, but he was my resource off the field. And it was just, you know, it was kind of a testament to the connections you make in the coaching community. And I can remember uh, being in his living room, you know, going through everything from, from, you know, solo blocks in our dart scheme to, to, to gap double teams to, to zone double teams to, to, I mean, just thing after thing after thing. And honestly, run game-wise, I felt confident going into it. Where I needed an education big time was pass protection. And um, to have somebody who, who has been coaching for 50 years, who lives and breeds offensive line play, who was just tickled to be able to, you know, coach up a, a guy like me who was young and learning um, and never coached the position by himself before. That was, that was awesome. So, I mean, I, I had him to lean on and, you know, took, all, took this vast amount of knowledge. He's kind of like an offensive line Yoda. He's such, a, such an awesome and wise guy. Um, it was able to take that and make it my own. And like I said, it was a blast coaching these kids. Yeah, it's a, that, that's something that, you know, is my other big worry with, with moving on positions is that there's so few people that I think are coordinators and coach offensive line or, you know, way, way, way in the future. There's very few guys that, like you said, are the head coach and the offensive line coach because it is just – it takes so much time to coach the offensive line because there's – there's five or six of them, depending on how you how you uh, break out your tight ends and things. And so that takes so much time. Then being a head coach takes up so much time that um, that would be something that I would hate to have to get away from as coaching that group because it is so much fun um, and it's so rewarding. And you got five completely different kids that you're trying to get, you know, all into to see things the same way and do things the same way. And it's such a such a technical position, you know, I think everyone talks about secondary and, and, um, and offensive line being the, the two big technical positions. And so there's so many different films and things you can break down and different ways to do it, that um, it's, it's a blast. And I would hate to have to ever have to completely move away from that. I think. I get, I completely get it. <clears throat> Excuse me. After, uh, <clears throat> after doing it for a year, it was so much fun. And the big thing for me was having two guys with the receivers and the quarterbacks I could really trust with working routes on air, working our pass read periods, and even scale. Like, that was hard. You know, I was calling the offensive plays, and I couldn't be at Pascal every day because, you know, with the structure of our practice, what was I going to do with our offensive line? So, um, and I quickly learned the offensive line, there, there is, not that there's throwaway time with any group, but there's really no throwaway time with the offensive line. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, there, there's not because I mean, like, like you said earlier, if you have a breakdown on the offensive line or in the secondary, I mean, everybody always says you better have your two best coaches there. Um, and, and when I say that, you better have the two guys that you can depend on to leave nothing to chance. Because those are the two places you can get beat. So that, that can cost you a football game. So yeah, I, I had to have, and unfortunately I did. I had a couple guys that I trusted and they did a great job and I was out of necessity, I empowered them. Like, look, you guys are going to do the Pascal script every day. You're going to be, therefore, you're going to, when we meet on the weekends, you're going to primarily be in charge of what you, what you think we should, how we should attack throw game wise. And, um, you know, you got to do this. And then, you know, obviously it was, it was on me to then watch the film and make sure I communicate with those guys. But, you know, it was a lot of fun. Once we got into a rhythm, it was, it was pretty cool. Coach, you've hired a bunch of, of great assistant coaches. I mean, obviously, judging, you know, by the track track record, guys have gone on, you know, to, to get better job, which to me is always kind of the, you know, the the gold standard when you're a, a head coach, you know, I'm going to you're going to develop guys are going to go on and get, you know, head coaching jobs. 
how much of that is kind of done, you know, on purpose, you know, listening to you talk and listening to kind of your philosophy, it's big on you, you know, to, to try new things, to get better, to improve, you know, to make yourself the, the learner. How many of those opportunities are you given, you know, new and younger guys on your staff to, to really develop and then ultimately, you know, reach their goals in the coaching profession too? Yeah, it's super important. <clears throat> it's, it's vitally important. And, and I have to fight the tendency. Um, I'm, a, I'm a type A personality and um, there, there's no amount of work that I'm not willing to do, which, which, which and that's not bragging. Um, sometimes it's foolish. And, uh, you know, so I got to fight the tendency to try to control everything and try to try to make everything the way that I think it needs to be. And this year was a really good, <clears throat> really good growing experience for me. And, and I'm so grateful that we had success because it reinforces it, that it was the, the right thing to do from a win-loss perspective. But uh, absolutely, you know, we, we had a situation this year uh, coming out of last season and after doing the O-line and, and running the offense, I said, look, I'm not running the offense. I'm not doing it. And uh, Brandon, like I said, Brandon James, he had been with us last year, his first year, he was coaching our running backs. And I knew he was eager to do it. And, and basically just kind of threw him in the deep end. Um, the nice thing was, you know, I was available to him or our defensive coordinator. But it was so rewarding to just see him take it and, and, and put his own stamp on it. And I quickly realized what I think is perfect or best uh, doesn't always really matter. If the guy, if the guy coaching the kids and, and doing it his way, if he's doing it with conviction and we're doing it the right way and by doing it the right way, meaning have we prepared? Are we physical? Are we playing fast? That, that, that's, that means a whole lot more than if I had a, a different schematic idea that I could have given him that he didn't feel the same way about. So, you know, I've learned so much. I, like I hired a defensive coordinator two years ago going into that 2019 season. And I learned a lot through that process. His name's Max Mann. He does a great job on our staff. And I learned a lot about how to support and encourage and empower a new coordinator. And I think that really helped me with my offensive coordinator last year. And as a head coach, I don't think there's a better thing I can do for the men on my staff. Um, you know, this year I was able to pour more into our players and especially into our juniors and seniors than I ever have been. And I think the whole thing just created a better experience. So it, it's super important. And I was fortunate at St. Augustine. Golly, when I was an assistant, I think I worked with four or five former head coaches that were working on staff for Coach Wiles. And one of them was our defensive coordinator. I was coaching our secondary. And, and the way I became the defensive coordinator at St. Augustine was this older guy who'd been coaching for 35 years. He went to Coach Wiles and said, look, let, let this guy do it. He's got more energy. He's better at it. Let him do it. I mean, that's how I became the defense coordinator by an older coach who had been, you know, was a, was a South Florida Hall of Fame coach, had moved up to St. Augustine. And this guy went to our head coach and said, let him do it. And I mean, who am I for, for this guy to be doing that? And, um, that just that leaves an impact on you. And, and I turned 40 in a month. So I'm kind of a middle I guess I'm middle aged now as coaches go. But I know going forward, I want to do that for younger coaches. I want to, I mean, that gave me so much confidence. It, it, it gave me so much you know, courage to to do the job to do it to the standard required working for Coach Wilds at St. Augustine. So I want to do those things for the guys that come on our staff. I love that story because it, it, the same type deal for me too. I know the guy that got me in the, in the business, Coach Mullaney in, in Colorado, did the same thing. He's like, I'm going to take this job. He's like, I'm going to let you take it over. Yeah, just kind of knowing, again, he was older guy in the game, but he knew I was ready. And he, and he knew that was what I, I wanted to do. And, and the same thing, you know, he instilled that mindset into me you know, one of the reasons we've done run the power and one of the reasons we love talking to coaches like you is because, you know, there is another generation of coaches coming up and those younger coaches listen and they start to learn things and they reach out. And, and I think that to me is, is the coolest part about the profession that we have is just kind of that, you know, regeneration of, you know, a guy goes to college like you at Florida State and you figure out in a month, yep, I'm going to be a coach. Or we all have that kid, you know, that plays at St. Augustine or plays at Broken Arrow, plays at Ankeny. That's like Coach Walls, you know, Coach Coach uh, Braddock, Coach Harper. I want to be a coach because I see you, Coach, and that's why I want to do it. And, and to me, that's what makes this profession literally the coolest one in the world. Absolutely. Um, one of the things, you know, I'm I'm pretty hard on our players and our staff about talking about our successes too much because I just don't you know, the, the, what, the work you do should speak for itself. But one thing I do brag about that I think makes our program special is myself, our offensive coordinator, um, our defensive coordinator from two years ago, who now is an assistant principal. He left us. Um, our linebackers coach, um, our, our JV head coach, our JV defensive coordinator, um, 
just coach after coach after coach on our staff is a, is a graduate of Seattle High School. And, and almost all of us played for Coach Wiles. And I just think that speaks to uh, the experience that we had and then, and then, you know, the impact it had on our lives. And then now I'm starting to see guys uh, come back that I've had the chance to coach either as a position coach or when I was the coordinator and DB coach and, and even more recently as a head coach. Some younger guys, I mean, even Austin, who's at West Florida, and heck, you know, three years from now, Austin might be in the NFL. Who knows if he continues on the trend he's on. But, I mean, he's told me, Coach, I can't wait. When I'm done, I want to coach. He's like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to be your offensive coordinator. Um, so that's just really fun, you know, to have people who feel like their experience in a program was special enough that it makes them want to come back and pass that on to younger kids. So, you know, we don't, we don't have any, any – we don't make any bones about it. I mean, we're not, we're not doing this, obviously, so that we can be on TV and make millions of dollars. And, 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 and realistically, when you're coaching at a true public school and in the age of metro area all-star teams, I mean, you know, like we lost a heartbreaker in triple overtime in the state semifinal this year. And, you know, the next week that team went and got hammered by a, by a South Florida school in the state championship game. So if, if that's the only reason you're coaching is to, to get a state championship or do those things, that it's, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough in, in this world. But, um, you know, kind of the legacy that we've got here that was started by Coach Wiles and just the, the, the bond that so many people have here. I mean, our, our Thanksgiving practice this year was packed with former players that were in town. And it's just really special. So it makes me really, really proud and really grateful to, to be a part of it. Well, Coach, it sounds like you've got, uh, you know, you've made some really good hires. And, and obviously a lot of them are, are guys you already knew or were already on staff. But for some of those guys maybe that weren't, what are some things that, that you're looking for when you're trying to hire a coach? You know, you've got a new position opening. Uh, let's say you've got a position open. And, and I'm sure you get plenty of resumes sent in and, and you pick out a few to, to actually go interview. What are some things you're trying to figure out in that interview? What are some things that, that you want to know about a coach before uh, bringing them on to staff? Yeah, I want to, I want to know about the coach's heart. Um, I, I got to know, like, like, like I said earlier, is he going to, is he going to be a guy that is going to serve our players' hearts before he serves their talents? Um, because we all have an ego. We all want to win. Um, but at the end of the day, we've got, to do, we've got to do those hard things. We've got to make those hard decisions that we know are serving that player's heart before it serves his talent. And, and, and some people are like, what do you even mean by that? Well, like, you know, if you've got that kid who we've all got those kids where it's so easy to look the other way when they do something small, it's, it's not the way it's supposed to be, but that's not. And, and honestly, the more talented the kid is, the, the bigger detriment you are to their future success when you don't hold them to a higher standard uh, because they develop that entitlement and that sense of, I can do things kind of my way just because I've got some, God-given abilities that maybe others don't. So th those hard things, that constant, you know, they're, we're, we're the adults and they're the kids, and, and, and it's that way for a reason. And we're in a position of authority, but our, the best thing we can do in that position of authority is not lord over them and not lead out of position, but is to serve them. And we can serve them by not always being worried about what's easy, not always worrying about being liked about doing what we know is going to be the best thing for them down the road. So when I'm interviewing somebody, I want to know, I want to know him. I want to get to know him. I want to know about his background. I want to know about his family. I want to know what, what he thinks um, about a lot of things that go on that are off the field. I really don't care that much about their football experience or their football knowledge. I do care about references because I can get somebody that can tell me, yeah, this is how that guy is when something's going bad. Like, this is how he is to the kids when the kids disappoint him. Um, I want coaches that when the kids disappoint us, because they're going to disappoint us, they're not perfect. I want a guy um, that I know is, is going to be the guy who, who takes the brunt of the, of, the, of the pain, so to speak, for that kid. Um, not to enable the kid, but it's, it's, not, it's not about that kid making me look good on the football field. It's about me serving that kid's heart. And, and the football, that part will take care of itself. So I just really want to know the guy. And then I want to know if he's going to work. Um, they won't survive at St. Augustine if they're not going to work. And um, it, it gets real awkward real fast. That's not who they are. So I have to know those things. Um, and then obviously, I, well, I want to make sure that they know some football. So we'll talk about football. And obviously, if it's a particular position, then we'll go through some basic things. But, but really, the person is first and foremost. It's the person um, and then the coach. Um, and then it kind of goes in that order. Well, I know you coach. You know, Coach Hewlett had, had kind of been the reference. So, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to you say all these things, and I'm kind of wondering, like, what the heck? Why the heck did he hire Will? You know, tongue-in-cheek. You know, tongue-in-cheek, obviously, I, I know Will and Will's a stud. But, uh, 
you can tell him I said that. Um, but, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, Coach Hewlett. You know, Coach Hewlett's been around the block a lot. I would imagine he was a, a phenomenal, you know, uh, addition to your staff. I know that the years I got to spend with him on the road at, at NFA and, and still getting a chance to talk to him are, are some of my favorite moments. He's a stud. Yeah, well, goodness gracious. I mean, the, the way that came down was uh, back in February, uh, our strength coach and, and assistant O-line coach, who, again, is a St. Augustine alum, guy named Joey Lippo, he, uh, I get a text message from him, hey, my buddy Will Hewlett's coming into town. I think he's moving from Texas, and uh, I want you to meet him. Um, you know, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know who Will was. I had seen his name on a few podcasts, but I didn't know him. So we met, and I didn't, I didn't really have any openings, didn't think anything of it. And um, Will ended up moving. He and Joey were roommates at Dodge, Dodge City. Mm-hmm. Um, back in junior college. So it was a pretty, pretty cool connection. And then um, fast forward, uh, he moves here this summer and uh, came out to a workout or two just to, just to, you know, kind of get a feel for the area and was, was visiting with some coaches and just checking out the, the scene, came to see Joey and got to meet him and came to a workout. And I think, I think he liked it and kind of liked the vibe, but again, we just didn't really have any openings. So uh, fast forward to, uh, you know, we get the go ahead from the state of Florida. We're moving forward. And then we had a coach who, um, you know, just just out of necessity, really, you know, he, he works with his older father who's got some health issues and he kind of thought it was was necessary for him to step away. And uh, we needed a quarterbacks coach and, and you know, fate was on our side. Uh, I, asked, I asked Joey Lippo, I said, Joey, your, your buddy Will that I met and saw this summer, is he interested in coaching? He's like, I'll call him. Next thing you know, uh, two or three days later, Will's, Will's on the practice field with a St. Augustine High School hat on. And uh, our quarterback, our quarterback, of course, knew of him. And uh, it was funny. He was starry-eyed, you know, when Will Hewlett showed up on the practice field. Um, so that was pretty cool because Will, Will's reputation as a quarterback coach and quarterback guru precedes him. So, uh, so no, that was really cool. Will, Will brings a lot of patience to our quarterback room, which is good because that offsets me. I'm, I'm really hard on our, on our quarterbacks, especially, especially really good ones like we had this year. This year we had a senior. Uh, he was a three-year starter after, after Austin. It, Florida and um you know our, our quarterback this year Sammy Edwards had a tremendous season much uh much due to Will's tutelage and he's uh he's actually going to sign next week and go play play at Valdosta State so fun fact my last two quarterbacks at St. Augustine very well could face off in, in uh, some West Florida Valdosta State top five division two matchups here coming up in the next couple seasons but um yeah Will's a huge asset to our staff he's a great person too yeah, he's he's an absolute stud. Like you said, I mean, with you know the patience and calm, you know, with QBs, I, I I've always called to me my nickname for him. He's the QB whisper. That's <laughs> what I always called him. He's always like the guy behind, like, yeah, hey, you know, that's that's pretty good. You know, why don't you try, you know, kind of doing it this way? And you're kind of like, okay, okay, but you learn so many things from him, just kind of like through osmosis. Like, I mean, anytime I have a QB question, it's it's a you know a short text to him, and then. I'm going to get five pages of, of information, you know, yeah, I was reading this and you know, some of that. I'm like, I thought you said you really weren't studying that much. Yeah, I really haven't, you know, like, okay, but what a stud. Oh, he is a bright guy. I mean, it's, it's so cool. And, 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 and again, you know, kind of just talking about the, the different guys on the staff, like it's, it's awesome for me sometimes the head coach to come over to scale and just watch my coach's coach. Because I feel like I can learn watching them. And he's a guy, we're polar opposites. I, I, was, I was a defensive coordinator, so just take that and run with it. So I'm not very patient with our quarterbacks. And, and to watch him coach is pretty cool. So I, And I value that. I value other styles. And I know there's other good ways to do it and ways that I can get better, too. So he definitely brings that to the table. I love that, too. Like you're talking, you know, being able to, to kind of do the, the walk around aspect. You know, I, I never really had the chance to do that. But, you know when you obviously get to go to like, it's almost like being clinic clinic season all the time. You get to go to a college, you get to go watch practices, things like that. I find myself when I, when I'm able to walk around and just go check things out, you just seem to be able to, to find something, you know, and, and grab a note here and there, you know, or take a shot with, with my phone or something like that. I just feel like being that walk around guy really gives you such a good pulse and, and so much time to be able to kind of like reflect on your own coaching style. How do you get better? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, you know, and I, and I think too, it's it's the purpose that you do it with. Are are you doing it so that you can really learn and get to know your coaches on the field? Like that's such a great advantage for to have opportunities. Or like, you know, I would look at our practice schedule, and we and we got into a really good rhythm probably the back half of our season. I knew every day for my own peace of mind and our defensive coordinator's peace of mind, I needed to be at defensive inside run. 
Like that was just gonna that was just gonna put everybody at ease. Like that was gonna be the best thing. Because then he knew things were the way I wanted. I knew they were the way that I wanted. Not that I know everything, but as the head coach, that just created a better cohesion for he and I. And then I knew also that I needed to be at screen period with the offense every day because I just felt like that was so important for us or whatever it might be, or offensive inside run and, and those things. So it, it was also cool from that perspective to, to really get into alignment with everybody on staff and not feel like you're on an island doing the offense while you've got your other coaches on defense. And as the head coach, you're, you're scrambling after practice to try to jump in and help you know answer a question or figure something out. So I was very fortunate, and, and I'm looking forward to getting to do it again this spring, and, and it was definitely a blessing. Yeah, that's exactly right, Coach. Uh, you know, so, so when you're – you know, you've had guys and, and talking about all your coaches and, and being able to watch them and making sure you've, you've got, you know, set times that, that you can get into rhythm, you know, with the rest of your coaches and your team. But you've obviously – you've hired guys, and, and you've already talked about a few of them that are head coaches other places, and, and I think, you know – Walls talks about about it a lot. I think all the really good head coaches, you know, they want to have that big head coaching tree underneath them, you know, where they've they've developed coaches into other, you know, into head coaches and sent them off, you know, down the road to be head coached other places. Uh, are there are there specific things that you do for guys that you think want to be head coaches? Um, you know, kind of go out of your way to help them with certain things, to help them get ready for that position. Or do you just kind of treat everyone the same and then, you know, you're never going to be ready to be a head coach. So once they jump in it, they'll kind of learn on the fly. What's kind of your, your thought process on all that? Well, you know, that's a good question. I honestly have not thought intentionally about. Um, I probably need to because I've got such a gifted staff and I know it's only a matter of time before it's going to happen again. Um, I know I, you know, I honestly have not been intentional. I, I have been intentional to delegate and I have been intentional to bring in the core group of guys into the big decisions. And by the big decisions, I'm not talking schematics. I'm talking, look guys, you know, like, like when we get the second week of February, we're going to start our, our leadership meetings with our, with our group of guys that have to be our alphas. And I'm going to get input and continually have input from our core group of guys. And like, those are things that they need to be thinking about and knowing how they're going to manage in the off season when they run their own program. Um, you know, our off we do a lot of off-season community service and volunteering. Um, my core guys that I know could, could that, that are leaders in our program that could develop into head coaches, they're going to be responsible for running, you know, various aspects of that. Um, so I, I, have, I have really become more comfortable with delegating things that are very near and dear to me uh, to our other coaches and, and even opportunities to go speak at local sports clubs and things like that, like giving them those opportunities and going to do that more and more going forward. Those are things that are important to me that we've done. I've maybe not thought about it intentionally, but I'm really glad you asked me the question because I probably need to put some of this down on paper um, to, to make sure I'm doing it, uh, to do right by my guys. But, but I, I, it's important to me. It's, to me, it's almost, it's almost vital that I give them some of those responsibilities, especially every coach wants to draw up a play. So I could care less about that. But like I mentioned, the volunteering. Like when I tell my offensive defensive coordinators, you guys are, you're responsible for the food drops that we do in St. John's County schools. You're going to be responsible for organizing the morning welcoming at the elementary schools. They now know how important that is to me. And I'm, I am lucky that they respect me enough and the program we have that they, even if they don't get it, they go, well, if it's that important to coach, it must be a big deal. Um, so I think them learning to do those things is going to help them in the future. It's really not about, you know, plays or defenses. They're good coaches. They wouldn't be coaching if at the position they're in if they weren't um so i think it's more about those off the field things and running the program that's awesome I, I love all that stuff and again like like you said it is kind of putting them in that position to to get ready and at least have to kind of organize and think about something that's not just you know put putting a play down or you know setting up my drills um coach i'm interested in again you talk you know you, you touched on a little bit with you know the meetings we have and stuff for leadership we always like to ask the head coaches we have on here because Harper and I have been in a ton of these meetings, you know, and, and I'm, I'm anxious to hear your answer because, you know, you've been a defensive guy and you've been an offensive guy. When do you guys kind of sit down and have, you know, the, the pre-spring, okay, who, who are our top whatever guys, and then who kind of gets first dibs on that? Is it a defensive deal? You know, are we going to always have a QB? Are we always going to have a running back? I'm always interested to kind of hear, you know, how do you sort out your quote best players, your your quote alphas, and then how do those guys kind of get divvied up amongst the staff? 
sure. Well, and, and I tell you, that's really going to, that's going to be a big deal for us this year because we're, we have a glutton of tailbacks and um, we have four tailbacks returning that, and, and this isn't hyperbole, you know, most high school programs would, would love to have one of them. And, um, you know, it's a, it'll be a, a 10th grader and 11th grader and two seniors, but three of them are aggressive, violent football players. So there's going to, there's going to, you know, they're, they're, and last year, two of them played some defense, but, but that's something we're going to have to sort out more intentionally. So we, we, we had a freshman burst on the scene and boy, he can play. So we know he's going to be in the mix as well. So there's four of them. Um, so that's going to come, that's going to be a big deal for us this spring is, is figuring out how to give those kids opportunities to showcase their abilities to, because obviously if you've got four of them, they're capable of doing more than carrying the ball eight times a game each. Um, so, so we'll have to figure that out. As far as sides of the ball, I mean, we believe that, that you can't win and can't win big if you're not going to play great defense. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's, that's really a non-negotiable. And if, if, if all things are equal and we have a, an issue on defense, that issue is going to get addressed first. Um, and that's, that's just at the end of the day, you know, and you know all the cliches, defense travels and defense can play in any type of weather, but those things are all true. And, it, and, it, and those things matter. Um, the only, the only caveat I would have that, and I, I had somebody, you know, put it to me this way one time, you got kids that can be game changers. Sure. Get them on defense. But if you got a kid that's a scoreboard changer, you got to give them the ball. So, you know, if like got a, yeah. If you've got a kid who's a scoreboard changer, who can take that ball and, 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 you know, in the next six seconds, you look up and they're adding to your score, you got to get them the ball. So, you know, we had a kid who was a corner who he's, he's going to the university of South Florida. He signed back in December. Uh, we knew real quick as a sophomore, this kid's got to start playing some receiver. He was not ready as a sophomore to play receiver. We made him do it all summer, though. He couldn't do it. He couldn't handle it in games yet. He was too young, not not against the guys we play. In his junior year, he was able to play receiver. In his senior year, he was able to play receiver. And, and, you know, we'll have guys go both ways if they're an obvious scoreboard changer, even if they start out as a defensive guy. But we're such a, a program-oriented um, team that you don't see a lot of guys switching sides of the ball. Like, we're not going to have a kid that his junior year, we're like, man, he's a really good athlete. He's got to go play linebacker. No, if he's been playing tight end and that's what he's been doing, and, you know, we we also try not to play many kids both ways. We uh, we played one or two mm, – three kids both ways this this year. We played the, the one young man corner and receiver full-time, and then we had two of our tailbacks who, because they weren't playing full-time on offense, one played some linebacker, one played some defensive end. He's a, he's a bigger tailback. And uh, – but, but we would rather pour into our kids, coach them, coach the dog out of them. You know, we have a ton of kids who, after lifting and being coached for three years, their senior years, they're great high school football players. So that's really kind of our thing. So we don't have a lot of back and forth arguing about the kids. If it's obvious that a kid's in a place where we know he does not have a future at the varsity level, then we would maybe try to move him. We've got a whole a slew of kids who, over the years, we have moved forward in the defense and they've become much better players. Our starting Mike this year is a 205 pound kid. He was a senior, great football player. As a sophomore, he was a corner, um, but great kid, tough kid, great program kid, leader, does everything right, but he was not a, he was not a secondary guy. We learned that in sophomore year. So we just kept moving him forward. We knew if we found the right spot, he would be productive because of, because of his character. So we just kept moving him forward. He went from safe, he went from corner to boundary safety to Mike. And at Mike, he found a spot. We've had kids over and over and over go from linebacker to defensive line. You know, if they're struggling on defense, but the kid's got some heart, some tenacity, some physicality, um, just keep moving them forward. And usually you can find a place where they can contribute. And that's that's kind of our thing. We we try to minimize the position changes. Um, but but I'd say on defense, we do a lot of that. We do a lot of moving kids forward to help them find opportunities on the field. To me, to me. That's, and that's character-based. If we know a kid is tough, we know a kid's going to be accountable, and we know he's going to give everything he's got, then we can find a place for him to contribute on the defensive line. And that's been a big thing for us. That's funny you say that. That's, that's, that's always been my, um, my fight on, on offense is I'm, I'm always – and the uh, offense coordinator and skill, skill coaches never want, want to uh, allow it to happen, but I'm always wanting to take the, the tall, almost slow receivers and put them to tight end and take the uh, – Oh, you know, a little bit slow tight ends and move them into tackle. And uh, I'm always trying to trying to move those guys forward so I can get some athletic offensive linemen that I can and maybe skinny now, but we can we can get them built up here in about a year. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, our our starting 
we had a kid who was a two-year starter for us on the offensive line. He started at left guard for us this year. He was a defensive lineman his first two years. Um, but again, the kid's a leader. The kid's got heart. The kid's a great weight room kid. But he just wasn't athletically. He just didn't move. He wasn't going to start on our defensive line. It wasn't going to happen. And, um, you know, part of that goes back to when I said the character, like, like oftentimes your high character kids, they'll acknowledge and they'll be real. You know, you know, I want to play. I want to contribute to this team. And all right, coach, I'll accept you being honest with me and I'll be real about this. Yeah, you're right. I'm not better than those two or three guys playing, you know, defensive tackle. Um, so we've had a lot of success with kids like that, but I tell you, he came over to center and in the nature of our offense, you know, he was blocking back a lot or working in, in combination blocks on zero techniques and things like that. And he was highly productive as a junior at center and got a little more athletic. And this year he played guard. And, um, you know, we have a lot of kids that do that. We're fortunate right now. We've got some very athletic offensive linemen, not the biggest kids in the world, but um, we are a little spoiled there right now. We've, we've had the other side of the coin. And, and I think if I had to pick in high school, I'd rather have the, the 220 pound kid who can really move than the 290 pound kid who can't. I love that point that you made there about the, the high character kids, you know, being honest with themselves, you know, kind of understanding, you know, Hey, I, yeah, I'd like to start, but I know I'm not good enough. And they're able to, you know, have that adult conversation with you. And then at the same time, Hey coach, I think I can be a better contributor here. And they're usually, since they have that high character, they're going to be a lot more willing to make that change as well. Well, and, and I do look at, I, and, and, and trust me, I love the offensive line. Like I said, after coaching the offensive line last year, and I have profound respect for the technical nature of the offensive line. But I, I think it's so different than defensive line. You know, you can cover up all sins on defense. If you can play with fanatical effort, you can really run. You can, you can cover up for almost every mistake if you can do those two things. Um, you can't do that on the offensive line. So if we've got a kid who is limited athletically, I don't view that as a knock that he then went to the offensive line. Oh, we just get the non-athletes on the offensive line. No, that, that's not it at all. But, but if that kid's not able to run like those other kids on the defensive line, but if he can be technically sound and he can know what he's doing and can play with leverage, he can be productive uh, um, on our offensive line. So I don't even look at it that way. I think the two positions are just completely different. Agreed. Coach, uh, last thing I want to ask you about, you know, again, as a head coach, you know, how special teams and obviously being a defensive, you know, coordinator, defensive minded guy, special teams almost kind of goes hand in hand. You're going to fill a lot of those units with with defensive guys. How do you break it up uh, on the staff? And then, you know, what kind of emphasis are you putting on special teams as the head coach yourself? Yeah, so so I I basically was in charge of special teams and then um, we had two aligned coaches. They were in charge of the field goal extra point unit. Um, but all the others um, I took on this year. And then, so, you know, and I delegated accordingly. Uh, our offensive coordinator, you know, when, when you got an All-American, you know, kick returner that played for the Florida Gators and won two national championships, you figure he should coach the returner. <laughs> so, so Coach James coached our returners. And then, um, you know, we break our kickoff return unit into four different sections. We basically run it like the power play. And uh, um, so I, I kind of oversaw that. I had the wedge, but then, you know, my defensive coordinator had the, the front side, he had the double team and the down block. And then our receivers coach had the backside hinge, which is really, really in some ways a glorified stock block on kick return. And, and, and we had our roles and those coaches were well-versed in them. And, and we had our rhythm for the week, um, you know, and, and kind of the, the, the breakdown for that, um, you know, special teams was a big priority. Uh, we wanted our best players on our kickoff team and on our punt team. Um, you know, we weren't, necessarily amazing on special teams this year we, we were a little limited we, we we don't we can't kick it real deep looking back I was having a conversation with somebody today we should have onside kicked every time we should have adopted that idea this year um, we had a lot of returns come back to 35 because they were getting caught around the 20 um, but anyways that it's it's a big deal I oversee it I delegated amongst the staff and um, you know we've got kind of our breakdown we spend the most time on punt the most time on kickoff and uh, we spend the least amount of time on kick return because that doesn't change for us, but our punt and our kickoff sometimes does have to based on what we're seeing. And obviously our punt block will change week to week because every week you see a new punt formation, but yes, it's a, it's a real big deal. Coach, I'm curious, you know, this has been a crazy year, obviously with all the COVID stuff. And, and so guys have had to change how they practice, how they meet, how they install. I mean, you, you know, everything, everything has changed. Um, Looking forward, uh, assuming, and this is probably a, a dumb assumption, but assuming that at some point uh, things go back to 
somewhat of a normal, you know, where, where people are allowed to be around other people. Um, are, are there anything that, that you got, is there anything you guys did this year that you want to bring with you um, in the future with how you meet or how you practice that, that COVID forced you guys to do? Was there, was there anything in this that you were like, Hey, we shouldn't be doing, we should have been doing it this way all along. We should have been, you know, doing meetings this way, or we should have been installing this way or, or whatever. Is, is there anything from this year that you'll take forward with you, even when things go back to normal? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I just thought, you know, learning how to meet digitally was enormous. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I still think human connection, like, you know, in person is, is extremely valuable. And um, to me, that's always going to be the preferred method. But I mean, I can give you an example. Um, we had a quick staff meeting uh, before our banquet. We had our banquet last Wednesday and we had a staff meeting the Thursday before that. And in the past, that would have been one where I had everybody coming in person. We just sat down and had given them all their little banquet responsibilities and gone through everything. And, and it, it would have been a 20 to 30 minute meeting and everybody would have had to make their way to the school. It, it, would, it would have taken an hour plus of their time, but we were able to do it you know, digitally and, and save everybody the time. They got their information, shared it on a Google Doc and boom, everything's good. So we will definitely utilize that as a staff going forward. We'll still meet in the off season once a month in person um, because I think it's vital to meet once. And obviously I see these guys on campus and I see them when they come to the weight. Like to, just today, Will was in the weight room because he came by seventh period to, to just be around the guys and, and, and be in the weight room. But like we will have formal staff meetings once a month, but those won't have anything to do with football. That'll have no, everything to do with our core values, our culture, um, you know, what's going on off the field, our volunteer activities and those things. But those other meetings that we'll have, I mean, realistically right now, uh, I, I would say it's more important to have meetings about your program's values, core values and culture in person. All the stuff when you want to talk football. I can I can get on Zoom with my offensive coordinator and we can sit here for three hours and draw stuff back and forth. So definitely going to make use of that. Um, one thing came up today. We start our leadership meetings here in a couple of weeks and uh, we're going to still have our leadership meeting over spring break. And I'm not going to have spring break be a reason why we can't meet that week. That connection is important to me that we meet once weekly. We'll do it via Zoom. The kids are all comfortable with it now. They can log in on the phone and we'll still have our meeting. And, you know, so there's a lot of things we'll take forward. But I don't want to replace the human connection part of it, but, but we will definitely use technology a little bit more going forward. Well, coach rolling up here now on an hour. Um, don't want to keep you too long, but before we let you go, one thing I like to ask everybody is uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly other offensive line coach? Yeah. Well, the, the first one is more specifically about their program. I thought about this because I knew this question was coming. Um, if I look at a group, <laughs> if, I, if I look at a group of offensive linemen and they're reasonably fit, I think that says a lot about their football program. Um, and and obviously we have some offensive linemen ourselves as well that are they're big old boys. But I, I think there's something to be said for 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 the lines of scrimmage. Those young men obviously being in condition, I think that that sends a message about their football program right away. Secondly, uh, one thing that might be unique is I'm always really intrigued. Um, if a team has a, has a big lead and they put young offensive linemen in, or if somebody gets banged up and comes out of a game and, and the six man comes into the game, I want to see how that guy plays. Because uh, you, you can kind of find out real, real quick, is there a way of doing things for this offensive line? Are they technically sound and well coached? Or is it the first five dudes and then after that, you know, kind of getting by on ability and then after that it all goes downhill? Because if you see the young kids come in, uh, in, in a game that's in hand for an opponent you're about to play, and those young kids come in and are executing at the same level as the older guys, just maybe not with the same physicality, you know that they've got a good offensive line coach um, and, and that they're being coached up. So, so those are kind of, you know, some unique things that I look at that jump out to me. And then obviously the, the biggest, first and foremost, is the effort and physicality. Uh, when we're playing somebody, you know, we play very hard and we play very physically. Those are two of our core values, effort and physicality. And when you turn the film on and you see the other team's offensive line finishing, playing in a, with, with a little bit of a nasty manner and, and effort and physicality are near and dear to them, then you know you're probably playing a football team that plays that way and, and gets your respect real quick. Coach, man, I got a, I got a book full of notes here. Uh, really, really appreciate you, you know, dropping some knowledge on us. I know it's, it's, it's not always the easiest thing when Coach Harper and I are firing questions at you and <laughs> you know, being able to, to have some of this conversation. But, man, uh, you, 
a lot of really, really great stuff that, that I think a, a lot of people can take away. And, and then not only that, you know, I'm excited, you know, knowing Will down there and, and knowing the area, uh, I'm excited to, to hopefully now know another guy that we could, we can hopefully, you know, kind of, you know, hook up, meet up and, and then go talk some football, man. It's been an absolute blast for an hour. No, I've, I've really enjoyed it too. Love y'all's podcast. I've been listening for, for quite a while now. So when, uh, when Will mentioned this to me, I was, I was really fired up. You got to make your way down to beautiful St. Augustine, Florida, oldest, oldest city in the country. There, there's a reason we were first. So <laughs> come on down. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.